The following Dharma talk was given for the Insight Meditation Community of Charlottesville, Virginia. Please visit our website at imeditation.org. Okay, so we have a big American day tomorrow. Puts a lot of pressure on a lot of people. It's a lot of joy and loving sentiment expressed. So romance and love, kind of gooey things, candy and stuff for tomorrow. So I couldn't help, I love kind of teaching around holidays because I kind of look into, well, how did this all happen? How did this become such a big deal? And so um, thanks to an article I found on NPR, I learned some stuff. Um, I can't pinpoint the exact origin of Valentine's Day, but the Romans, it's believed by scholars that the Romans had something to do with it. Um, and it was, well, I don't know, it's, it's a little weird, but the, the men hit on the women, but it was in a literal sense. Um, from February 13th to the 15th, there was the feast of the Lupercalia. Okay? And why men do these things? But they sacrifice a goat and a dog. Okay? And then they kind of, you know, clean those sacrificed animals and then whipped the women with the hides. All right? And this, the Roman romantics were drunk, they were naked, says Noel Lenski, a historian at the University of Colorado at Boulder. Young women would actually line up for the men to hit them, Lenski says. They believed this would make them fertile. Okay. And also, in part of this festival, there was a matchmaking lottery, whereby... Uh, all the names of the women would be put into a bowl and the men would pick them. And then for two days, they would enjoy each other and longer if they actually got along, you know. But that was part of the festival. And so, um, also, uh, a little later, the Romans might have had something to do with the name Valentine's Day because... Uh, it was Emperor Claudius II. He executed two men, both named Valentine, <clears throat> on February 14th of different years in the 3rd century. And their martyrdom was honored by the Catholic Church. And they called, called it St. Valentine's, um, St. Valentine's Day, in honor of these two guys named Valentine who were uh, executed. So... Um, Later, Pope Gelsius, Gelasius I, he um, tried to, and as the Catholic Church was trying to kind of move away from these pagan rituals, <clears throat> kind of combined the, the Lupercalia ritual with um, um, a more Christian uh, take on it. And so it still was a kind of drunken activity but they had clothes on. So that was the, the change. And it was, a, it was celebrating love and fertility. 
Um, the, at around the same time, the Normans were celebrating Gallatin's Day, which means lover of women. And so Gallatin, Valentine, you know, it might have uh, amalgamated. They sounded uh, apart. And then Shakespeare and Chaucer, they spoke about it in, in their works. And then finally, uh, Hallmark in 1913, uh, as it moved through the West. And cards were made actually centuries ago. Little, little gift cards were handmade. But it really took off in 1913 when Hallmark got behind it and mass produced everything that they do. And um, this Valentine's Day, it's expected that Americans will spend $18.6 billion on various items to support the day. So uh, it's also for people who are single, it's, there's now a new movement. It's uh, uh, Single Awareness Day. Sad. <laughs> Where you gift yourself a box of chocolates and binge eat them. Probably while binge watching something, whatever. So, Single Awareness Day is a rival. Okay, so humans, the stuff we do and think up, it never ceases to amaze, you know. The anthropologists called, call us the thinking ape, but really, you know, that might be a stretch. So Sophocles said, one, one word frees us all of the weight and pain of life, and that word is love, okay? And from uh, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, and envies no one. Love is never boastful, nor conceited, nor rude, never selfish, not quick to take offense. Love keeps no score of wrongs, does not gloat over another's sins, but delights in the truth. There is nothing love cannot face. There is not limit to its faith, its hope, and its endurance. All right, so that's more in the vein of what we might begin to describe love in a contemplative sense or in a spiritual sense. Um, you know, love is intimate. In Buddhism, love is intimately connected to freedom and liberation. The Dalai Lama talks about that all the time. His religion is kindness. You know, and that Buddhism is a religion of love and freedom. Okay? But it's important to have a little bit of clarity about exactly what is meant. Um, I mean, it follows that in Buddhism, um, it's really talking about only those forms of love that, that are characterized by freedom. Any love that involves clinging, lust, confusion, neediness, fear, or grasping, um, you know, that's not the vein that spiritual practice is encouraging us towards. Those are expressions more of kind of limitation and bonding, you know, or bondage. So in our practice, 
loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, or um, appreciative joy. In other words, the joy in the gain and happiness of another. And equanimity are the four kinds of love that are taught and encouraged. They're also called the beautiful emotions, the divine abodes. Uh, And the Buddha mentioned in his teachings that these are really the only emotions worth having. Think about it. Love, compassion, joy, and a kind of balanced, kind of receptive frame of mind. And these are not uniquely Buddhist by any means. Those qualities of heart you'll find in all religions in various ways to try to support them through prayer or other activities. You know, um, There's something elemental about these qualities. You know, as humans, we've been fascinated with them and all of our art is attempting in ways and, and many times to express those qualities. You, know, you think about all the all the poetry and the writing and the music and the, um, and the sculpture and the painting, and, you know, devoted to this issue about love and what it is and what it isn't. You know. You know. In my experience in teaching retreats, this is not another plug for the retreat coming up, but... <clears throat> In those moments or in those when the conditions are such that an individual feels safe, feels uh, a little bit cared for, um, feels a little connected, that those natural energies of love and compassion and joy, balance and calm, equanimity, they arise naturally. if the conditions are right. When I think about, you know, the years uh, teaching at the women's prison, that oftentimes a person would come in completely closed down. Everyone there has been totally traumatized in every way imaginable. But, and over time, there's a, this kind of opening There's a little more safety, maybe a little more trust. And it's it's the way we are. We're armored a lot of times. But underneath it are these natural energies. And so they happen kind of by chance and by condition. But in a spiritual practice, that's not enough. We're not satisfied with that, that they just that we just fall in one of these forms of love or another. That a spiritual practice encourages and aims us at cultivating them to the, the full potential. Yeah. And what's what I love so much about uh, these practices or Buddhist practices is that there are you know, really kind of A to Z practices. You know, if you, if you kind of take a self-assessment and you say, 
ah, I'm not all that friendly, you know? Gee, somehow my, my, my loving presence or my capacity to love or my heart has been stunted or, or you know. There are practices to open that up. Loving kindness practices. You know? Or maybe our self-assessment is, you know, I don't feel very much concerning my own suffering or the suffering of others. I kind of box myself off from that. You know, and that takes energy to do that. And there are practices devoted just for cultivating compassion. There are practices for cultivating joy, an appreciative joy. Joy in the happiness of others. So that it's not just a jealous reaction when your neighbor wins the lottery. You know? I mean, there's seven and a half billion people almost. If we could actually get a little joy you know, when one of those people has something good happen, we're way ahead of the game. But if, but if all our joy has to, has to be centered on us, you know, it's just not going to be that way all the time. And then if we notice in our assessment that we're not able to find the balance, you know, so much in our lives, that we're either wildly, wildly identifying with certain emotions or we're just indifferent you know that we can't find that that balance there are practices for that also and in fact um, we are going to have a special series uh, beginning in next month in March where we really drill into each of these uh, flavors of love, the loving kindness, the compassion, the joy, and the equanimity, and work those practices here together as a group. So that's coming up. But I, this, since it's Valentine's Day, we're going to talk about love a little bit here. You know, and these, these practices, what neuroscience is telling us, that when we practice these practices, whether it's for loving kindness or whatever, we are changing the organic structure of the brain, certain areas of the brain that have to do with these energies it are changing, and age doesn't have anything to do with it. All us old dogs can learn new tricks and enhance what we've got, you know. So, in its spiritual concept of love, what the end game is, is that there's an equal flow of these feelings of friendliness to everybody without discrimination. You know? Now that's a challenge. You know? Maybe we can do it with our pet if he or she is behaving well. But when we get into our partners and relatives, co-workers, it's a little more of a challenge. So it's really a lifetime of, of practice uh, in, in exploring this. But as it gets closer and closer to perfection, we're really talking about liberation in the full sense of the word. You know, that, that, that the feelings of friendliness and love can so kind of suffuse us 
that the transformation that happens is extraordinary. And there are lots of people that that's all they do in their spiritual practices. They work the practices for love and compassion. You know? And all the benefits you know, of a practice fall out of that. There's many, many wonderful and valid practices. And, and those that have to do with these beautiful emotions are terrific. And we're the judge if we need to like emphasize that more. You know, so those of you that are seasoned meditators, you know what it's like. You do a day long or you have a long practice or you go on a retreat and you're like, oh, I am just so open. It's just, I'm like this fountain of love. And then, bingo, <laughs> you run into, you know, an issue or your partner or whatever. And you want to, well, where'd it go? You know, it's gone again. So it's a practice. And over time, the capacity increases. The capacity to come online more quickly is there for us. You know. and, and there are the near enemies to these beautiful emotions, which are kind of interesting. You know, the near enemy of this kind of open, expansive, non-discriminating love is attachment. I don't mean the attach, the healthy attachment that an infant needs with their parents. Uh, because without that, there's a failure to thrive. I'm talking about the, the kind of uh, romantic kind of love. I mean, it's fun and it's wonderful and everything. I'll love you if you love me back. I'll love you only if you kind of love me the way I want you to love me, you know. Or I'll love you because I need you, something like that. It's a different, it's, it's limited. It has an agitation to it. Um, it's kind of like a business arrangement, you know. Some of you might have seen the old movie, The Bad Lieutenant with Harvey Keitel. And boy, he was a bad lieutenant. And one scene where he's going, ah, you do something for me, I'll do something for you. That's a lot of what goes on in the kind of normal romantic relationship. Um, there's clinging, there's fear. But the deeper love, the truer love, you know, it allows, it honors, it appreciates. You know, whereas the, the super-attached clinging love grasps, demands, and needs, wants to possess. So it's a process. And it's possible to even learn to have a friendly countenance and love for people you don't like or don't agree with. It can be done. I think back to August 12th, you know, standing right there at the park, right in front, just feeling those people. It was a mixed emotion. I've thought about it a lot since then. You know, it was traumatic in some sense. And there was, there was, there was anger. There was 
you know, some of the baser emotions that I felt as I looked over the, the, the sea of hate. And then there was like a heart opening. It's like, oh my God, what has been done to these people? Why are they, you know, why do they feel like this? How deep is their fear? You know? You know, there's moments of that kind of empathic feeling into, which brings up love, compassion for their suffering. They were all suffering. And then it was back to, you know, anger. And then back to love, you know. It's a work in process. You, know? you think um, the, the kind of love that pumped through the veins of Martin Luther King or Nelson Mandela or Desmond Tutu or Gandhi. You know, there wasn't hatred there. That's the possibility for all of you, cultivating these beautiful emotions. It's actually possible. So, they are descriptions of what you might call the awakened heart. It's loving friendliness, compassion, appreciative joy, equanimity. And these near enemies that arise and masquerade, you know, for love, it's this attachment. You know. For compassion, if we lapse into pity, that's the near enemy. You know, joy, appreciative joy, we lapse into jealousy. You know. And equanimity can become indifferent. We've all met people that are who act like they're so chilled out. Like, oh, yeah, well. Oh, they have cancer? Well, it's their karma, you know? I'm just like, I'm spiritually above all that. It's just karma. Yeah, that's not, that's not anything but being cold, you know? Equanimity, the balance of equanimity has a flavor of compassion within it. All these flavors of love intermingle. And if at some point we feel that, oh, I'm really, I'm really balanced in this situation, you need to check to make sure there's heart in there, that the heart's active, open, receptive, that we haven't just, for sometimes we have to just shut it all down and we're indifferent, we turn away, the suffering is too much, whatever, we're human. So the Buddha looked at these practices as little by little, like each time we practice loving kindness or compassion or any of these four. It's like filling a jug with little drops of water. And we keep filling, we keep filling, we keep practicing, and soon it's overflowing. And then the field around us is saturated with it. So it's... Um, it's a beautiful, a beautiful practice. And I hope that you'll check our website and see when we're going to really auger into these practices. And I spent a little bit too much time talking. I wanted to do a loving practice, loving kindness practice tonight. But we don't have time for all, for the, the kind of practice I want to do. But we do have time for like three minutes of the practice. 
So I invite you all to just bring your attention to your good hearts. And take some breaths through that heart, through that region of the heart. And from that reservoir of friendliness that's there but sometimes covered over with fear or anxiety, that reservoir of friendliness that exists in all of you that wishes the best for yourself, that wishes the best for others and this planet and all the creatures that inhabit it. to with a few exhales extend that care to everybody here tonight knowing that each in their own way has a challenge could be relational, financial, health a loved one suffering, whatever it's almost guaranteed And wishing that their suffering is ameliorated just as you wish that your suffering is healed or cured. And simply with each breath extending that care outward touching all the beings that share this little tiny planet with us. Because whatever their form, whether they swim, fly, crawl, or are rooted in the ground, in their own particular way, they want what we want. They want safety and happiness. And so may all beings be filled with loving friendliness may all beings be well may all beings be peaceful and at ease and may all beings be happy and come to know the true causes of happiness And may all beings be free. Hey, 
enjoy Valentine's Day or Single Awareness Day, whatever it be to you. We'll see you next time.